First in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. afternoon, everyone. Karen Cataline back in the saddle again here in on Spouting Off. And uh, you can be listening live at www.wsmn.live or you might want to listen after the fact uh, at uh, wsmn.live. You can actually, WSMN, I got to get those letters right, <clears throat> where our podcasts are posted and also at my website, KarenCataline.com. Uh, I want to thank Steve Noxon for filling in for me on Tuesday. I was on an assignment and I'm happy to be back in the saddle. Well, <laughs> you know, I always have a choice of which direction I want to go. Sometimes in this first segment from the sublime to the ridiculous, from the micro to the macro. So I have a couple of comments, and now I'm just going to see where they lead. So first off, it's uh, Tucker Carlson. Boy, oh boy, you're beginning to see why Tucker Carlson had to be destroyed at Fox News because he's a force to be reckoned with. He shows courage and guts and actually believes in journalistic principles that we used to take for granted in this country. And that is a reporter, a journalist who will report things without an agenda of where things go. We know that Epic Times is one of those. Our commercials, I mean, their commercials that are on my show, tell you exactly that. We're going to tell you the facts, let you decide. Yes, there's always some bias, but it's not the agenda-driven propaganda that we have come to uh, have as a steady diet in this country. So not only has Tucker Carlson prove, proven that he has an enormous following, that the turncoats at Fox News, which I would never subscribe to, and... Uh, you know, it's my First Amendment right to tell you I hope you don't either. Uh, he was the only really good thing about Fox News, and, and that's saying something. Uh, and now he's gone, and uh, they expect people to watch a debate, a totally insignificant, phony, clownish debate. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that some of the people at that debate aren't somewhat serious, but they're not serious contenders. Some of them are, as I've said, detested by any, by most Republican grassroots, but yet they're pretending that they have a following. They have no such thing. It would be like Liz Cheney running for president at this point with a, with a, an R after her name. It would just be a joke. Well, so is the joke of Chris Christie. I mean, you might as well have Mitt Romney run, too, as a Republican. I don't think he'd have any report in the, uh, support in the Republican Party. He might, I guess, in the Democrat Party. Uh, and that doesn't help anybody. And uh, he would still be shredded if he posed any kind of threat. So uh, we're living in a time in which people are being exposed, or shall we say unmasked, for the phonies and frauds they are. I could give you numerous examples, but I want to focus a little bit on Tucker Carlson and the momentous interview that he did. I'm not going to go into huge detail. I am going to encourage you to watch it, however. Now, many of us have heard for a very long time, uh, from the very beginning of... Uh, President 44's, the 44th president's uh, uh, stories, there have been stories about uh, some kind of homosexual claiming that he had sex with the former president. Now, it's, it's interesting because the story 
has always been debunked and the person telling it has completely and thoroughly been debunked and in fact always sort of the nuts and sluts defense that was used for Clinton to defame and diminish and frame the accuser so people will uh, not listen to anything they have to say. Uh, his name is Larry, and I frankly, I forgive me, it's no disrespect, can't remember his last name, but he's been around for a long time, and Tucker Carlson interviewed him. Now, uh, I wasn't even going to watch it, but I watched it this morning, and the man is really quite credible and uh, has been telling the same story for something like 15 years, and there are some other bombs that drop in that interview about people who uh, are no longer alive. I urge you to watch it uh, because it's important and because there is an enormous machine of media that doesn't want you to know. And you know by now that when the media, the propaganda media doesn't want you to know something and is pushing a different agenda like there are a Heinz 57 variety number of genders, that probably it's because they want no opposition to the lie they're telling. And you can see examples of this again and again and again. Um, I bring it up partly because Wayne Allen Root, who is never shy, he went to Columbia University, as did I, and he graduated in 83, as did I. But I graduated... Uh, with a master's in social work, and uh, Wayne Allen Root went to law school and graduated the same year. And when I've interviewed him, he's talked at great length about the fact that uh, the 44th president was never there, but claimed to go to Columbia School of Law. Well, that's not his article today. What he wrote, what Wayne Allen Root, who you know, uh, you've heard before on this program, haven't had him for a little while, is he wrote this article at least several days, if not a week, before this interview dropped with the Larry guy, um, a gay guy who picked up, who says, who allegedly uh, picked up Obama in a, uh, by being uh, uh, directed to him by his taxi driver when he happened to be in Chicago. He didn't live in Chicago. He's visiting Chicago for his own personal reason, but he wanted a little action. And he's not shy about saying he's been gay his whole life and he's never hit it. He was never in the closet. And uh, this is how gay men, at least at the time, this was um, 1999, he tells the story. Um, this is what he did. You make certain noises. Who knew? I mean, it's not my scene. Certainly the squeaky clean T Tucker Carlson is interviewing him and doing a marvelous job and just listening and getting all the facts as best he can. The fact that he's doing this interview says a few things. It says that he thinks the witness or the person is credible because he wouldn't have a crackpot for sure on. And he's not saying that by interviewing him, he 100% believes everything he says. That's what reporting used to be about. You try to keep your personal opinion out as much as possible. And now Tucker is no longer a reporter. He's a commentator. But as a journalist with a journalistic background, it's his job to bring the information to the public and to respect the public enough to allow them to make informed decisions about what they think. We're no longer living in that kind of environment in which differences of opinion, dissent, or even questioning the official narrative gets you attacked, persecuted, sometimes even fired for asking questions. I don't know, sounds a lot like the old Soviet Union and other communist countries around the, uh, countries around the world, something that America has fought bitterly against. Uh, the uh, whole notion and spirit of free speech, as you know, I wax philosophic on it often, Nevertheless, um, so how do I connect? Because there's so much to say. How do I connect uh, Wayne Allen Root, the Tucker Carlson interview, and uh, what does it matter? Well, a few days before this interview dropped, which again, I urge you 
to watch, if for no other reason but that it has been suppressed for so many years and, and uh, for political purposes we weren't supposed to know, that should also make you suspicious why they want to suppress anything that makes them look bad instead of just going toe-to-toe and discounting them on the merits and on the facts. They don't do that anymore. No, indeed, that's not how the game is played. Wayne Allen Root wrote an article, again, before this interview was even dropped, because it dropped uh, within the last 24 hours. Tucker is outing Obama as gay, but everyone is missing the big story. Now, first he starts off, Root, Wayne Allen Root does, and this was at his website, Root for America. Uh, and he starts out saying that he was at Columbia when Obama was supposed to have been there, but he was never there. And it is Wayne Allen Root's opinion that Obama was in a communist foreign country getting uh, indoctrinated. But, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of other evidence that he'd been indoctrinated from childhood by people like Frank Marshall Davis at all. Nevertheless, this has always been allegations and uh innuendos, but there hasn't been a lot of facts uh, because, of course, the media was, was paid and threatened not to put out alternative facts, partly because they were so invested in having a black president and believing that just the superficiality of having a president whose skin was black would somehow uh, create a post-racial uh, tension world. And of course, the opposite happened. And Larry, the um, the guy who was interviewed last, I can't find his last name. It's terrible. But I will. Um, you can find it. Uh, uh, Larry said he had predicted even before Obama was elected, and he didn't know who he was at the time. He was nobody. He didn't know who he was. But he saw him standing at the Democrat National Convention, and he almost fell on the floor when he said, oh, my God, that's the guy. I won't tell you what he said. It's a little bit off color. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, Larry says he believed race relations would be set back 50 years. And indeed, I would say even more than 50 years, 100 years, because now everything is about race. That's what Larry says. Now, getting back to Wayne Allen Root, he says it's very important not to miss the issue. And I will quote this phrase of Wayne Allen Root, but gay is not the issue. And so the point is Obama was secretly either gay or bi, and he was engaging in uh, cocaine and crack and smoking and all of that. And they wanted obviously to keep that out of the press while he was running for president, but it goes so much deeper than that, as Wayne Allen Root says, but gay is not the issue. Quote, the issue here is fraud. If Obama is in fact gay, then he was lying to the American people from day one. He portrayed himself as a happily married family man with a wife and two beautiful young daughters. That's called fraud. Well, indeed, there were so many other frauds that we know about what he truly did stand for. And many people believe, uh, I gotta go. We'll take a break right after You're this. listening to Spouting Off with Karen Gadoline. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Call or go online to take advantage of my best offer ever. For a limited time, when you use your promo code, you can get premium MyPillows regularly $69.98, now only $29.98. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! Call 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM, R-A-M. That's 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. 
I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them, but I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Spouting Off with Karen Cataline will return in a moment. The Reading Foundation provides evaluation and tutorial programs based upon the Orton-Gillingham philosophy of learning, based upon the study of language, how children acquire language, and the mechanisms involved in learning. All the learning pathways of the brain, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and tactile, are addressed and strengthened to build a strong foundation for the acquisition of reading skills. If you are interested in learning more, please contact the Reading Foundation for more information. The Reading Foundation is at 10 Northern Boulevard, Unit 19, Amherst, New Hampshire, 03031. Or you can email us at readingfoundation underscore rf at yahoo.com. And of course, you can call anytime at 603-882-0992. The Reading Foundation, Amherst, New Hampshire. Karen Cataline got her parents to name her Karen before she was born so she could grow up to be a punchline. Now here's more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. spouting off. It's always important to spout off in a good way, express yourself uncensored, and let people know what you think and where you stand. One of the greatest aspects, and there are so many, of the five pillars of the First Amendment of the Constitution. Karen Cataline back with you, and our guest is on hold. I'll introduce him in just a moment. Okay, so uh, I made two errors as a talk show host. First off, I got caught at the end of the break uh, because I was getting carried away. Secondly, the man's name is Larry Sinclair, and it bothered me not to know his last name. Larry Sinclair deserves to be heard and to be scrutinized on the facts, not personally, but that's not what we do anymore. So I urge you to watch that interview, decide for yourself uncensored what you think and try to let other people know about it because there are powers that be that don't want this to be seen or heard at all. That should be your first suspicion. That's what should make everyone suspicious. If if they want to shut people up, it might be because uh, they're not so honest. Hmm, could be. Anyway, uh, enough said on that. Our next guest is waiting in the wings. He is a world-class plastic materials consultant, an independent environmental expert, award-winning keynote speaker, author, class action expert witness. His name is Dr. Chris DeArmit, and he joins us right now. Welcome to Spouting Off, Dr. DeArmit. Good to have you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I love that accent. If you say one more word, is it British? I think it is. I'm actually American, but yes, you're right. I did grow up in England. That's why I've got a funny accent. No, I love it. It's not funny. It's charming. You know, we did learn English from you guys, and then we changed it just a little <laughs> bit. So you're here to talk about these wacko environmental leftists who, who for years have been fear-mongering about the weather, the weather, the weather. First it was global warming, and that didn't work. So now it's climate change, as if the climate doesn't change. But they have an agenda attached to that, and some of it has to do with things like straws and plastic water bottles. And talk to us about that, <laughs> okay? Yeah, well, 
I, I heard your earlier segment, and you're exactly right. What people should be doing, instead of doing what sounds right or what, what they've heard in the, in the mainstream media, they should be going and checking the evidence, but no one's doing it. And so, as a scientist, I know that we can only solve problems based on things that are actually true. So I spent 3,000 hours of my own time to read thousands of really boring scientific studies to see what's true and what isn't true. And what uh -huh. I found is that people are proposing bans and taxes based on things which are just fiction. And um, people are getting rich by spreading this fiction. Um, but the result, the sad result for us and our children is that it's increasing harm. People are making decisions which are 100% certain to increase harm because they didn't spend 10 minutes to check the facts first. And that's pretty sad. Well, and people are getting paid off to, mm -hmm. to give out the company line. And I venture to say, we can come back to this, but the nightmare of fraud and lies and bans and harm that has been done not to America, not just to America, but countries all around the world, from Australia to Britain to Canada, all those Britain countries, and a whole lot more, British Commonwealth, yeah. I should say, uh, with COVID. There are enormous similarities between the bans and the fear-mongering with COVID and the political agenda that seems to be attached, and climate change. Uh, yes. Talk about that, if you would, a little bit, and feel free to uh, embellish, if you'd like, yeah. or go off. <laughs> so here's, an, here's an example. In, in Irvine, California, they're proposing bans. So some council member called Kathleen Tresseter said, hey, let's ban a bunch of plastic things, right? And everyone's like, yay, let's, let's ban them, and that's going to be great. But there was no evidence presented, and this person is not a scientist in the area, right? She had no evidence and no expertise, and yet everyone just accepted it. So if you look for, for example, banning plastic bags, the only way to know what's green and what's less green is a thing called a life cycle analysis, right? So if you typed in life cycle analysis bag into Google right now, you would find 28 studies if, you're very, if you persevere like I do. And every study ever done in the world says that replacing the plastic bag with paper or cotton increases harm. So you've got more harm. You've got more waste, you've got more CO2, more water usage, uh. more pollution. And so why are they doing it? Why are people banning and taxing the, the greenest solution according to every study ever uh. done? That's just one example. Wait, before you go on, how does it increase harm to use the exact opposite, to use exactly what they're telling us we should use to, quote, save the environment? Yeah, exactly. So a life cycle analysis adds up all of the things that go into making and using a product. So it it, it counts up how much fossil fuel did I burn to make this product, this bag, if it's paper or cotton, how much water was used, how much transportation was used, how much pollution was created, how much litter was created. All of these things are added up for the whole lifetime of this product. And that gives you a, a number, basically a series of numbers that tell you how much impact was created making and using that product. And if you do that for bags, you find out that the regular plastic bag is the greenest. If you do it for straws, of course, no straw is the greenest. But if you have to use a straw, then life cycle analysis shows that the plastic straw takes less, less CO2 created, less fossil fuel used, less water, and so forth. So it's absolutely categorical. Every, and these are peer-reviewed studies, you know, independent uh. studies by Clemson and universities all around the world. They're not something co cooked up by the plastics industry. So it uh. amazes me that people who claim to want to do good for the environment can't find three seconds to type LCA space BAG into Google and see what science has to say about it. You know what, Dr. DeArmond, the proof in the pudding that this is agenda-driven, is driven, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm certainly no scientist, is that they don't want to know. Right. They don't want to know. It's not that they don't take the time. They don't want to know. They're married to the narrative because the, mer the narrative has an agenda attached. And we used well, to say a long time ago... the president of Greenpeace, Dr. Patrick Moore, he left and said that their yeah. business model now is to sell lies to get donations. And they'll say anything uh, to make you angry enough to open your pockets and get your money. Uh, and you uh, can tell that that's true. I can send you the documents uh, and his books which wow. say that. And um, you can tell that's true because when you disprove something that Greenpeace says or the World Wildlife Fund, they never update their webpage. They keep up mm. the fiction, which, which is bringing in the money, right next to a big, glossy Donate Now button. So you can tell they don't actually care about the environment because they never update their, um, their nonsense based on, uh, based on evidence. This may be going a little far afield, and I did interrupt to clarify, and I'm going to let you go back if you can remember. Um, we used to say that the environmentalists and the green activists were really watermelons. 
They were green on the outside, but they were red on the inside. They're communists. <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Because a lot of people do. They're making an awful lot of money, and there's a Interesting you talked about colors and green. The, uh, the name of this report from Dr. Patrick Moore, the former president of Greenpeace and one of the founders, is called Greenpeace Wants a Piece of Your Green and, uh, and what their <laughs> yeah. true business model is. So, yeah, I found that the majority of these major groups are just after our money and they really don't care about the environment. Uh, yeah, but the, like, like they said, they'd be more plastic than fish in the ocean. That's been debunked uh, by the CBC, the BBC, uh, by me. It's just, it's just pure fiction. Yeah. Uh, the World Wildlife Fund said that we eat a credit card of plastic a week. The latest scientific study had said it would take more than 20,000 years to do that. Uh-huh. Right? Right. I mean, and and we're being sold a load of bunk with, like I said, agendas attached to them. Giant, yeah. giant trillion-dollar programs and bans. For example, uh, uh, gas stoves. Got mm-hmm. comments on gla- gas stoves, doctor? I haven't looked into the science on that, so I wouldn't like to comment. I'm a, I'm, as I said, I did this work unpaid. I have no political oh. affiliation. I just think we should be making decisions based on what's true. And unless I've looked into Gasto specifically, which I haven't, then uh, I couldn't really make a, an educated Okay, well then let's go one. back to plastics, because you are in the plastics business. Some people would say, you see, he's agenda-driven too, because he's into plastics. Uh, yeah. Talk about how, because even people who are not uh, um, climate activists have all sort of bought into the lie that anything yeah. plastic is going to live in a landfill forever, but if you do paper or something else, it's somehow better. Uh, what yeah. say you? Well, on the credibility front, that was your first question. I did all this work unpaid, right? Who do you know that spent 3,000 hours unpaid to read 3,000 really, really boring scientific studies? And then my book is shared for free, right? My web, my um, YouTube videos are for free. I publish mm. articles for free, right? So I'm not making any money off of this. This is just because mm. I think that we should stop stop driving things based on political agendas or what we like and what we don't like. We should make a better future for our children based on things that are mm. actually true instead of just chasing some uh, ideologies, which leads us exactly. down the wrong path. Uh, and when it comes down to all the other subjects, I've, I've investigated all of those too. So for example, if you look at the materials we use, 0.5% of all the material we use as people is plastic, right? So even if you'd have to be clinically insane to think that we're going to solve our problems by ignoring 99.5% of materials and just obsessing over plastic. And it's the same when it comes to waste. Plastic waste is half a percent of all the waste we make, right? So all this fetishizing over plastic is just leading us into, uh, into a place where we're certain to fail because we're ignoring the vast majority of the problems we have. Well, and uh, they have used, uh, to coin a phrase, progressive. In the most leftist states in the country, they started out with the rhetoric against plastic, plastic bags and what have you. Now, in some states, including my former, my home state of Colorado, they have now gotten the government, the government has taken it upon upon itself to force private businesses to charge if you want a bag. So that's what is partly the camel under the, the, the camel's nose under the tent of getting government involved to force and manipulate businesses to fall in line the way that they want. I agree with you. I think it's the same when it comes to this extended producer responsibility. We pay taxes so that any trash is cleaned up, right? They're supposed to go in the trash can and anything that gets littered is cleaned up. We're already paying for that in our taxes. And the Uh idea of this extended producer responsibility is to pay for the same thing again, because if you expect Coca-Cola to clean the bottles that we drop, they're not dropping them, we are, right? Mm -hmm. Then we're just paying that. It's going to be passed on to the customer. The companies don't pay for any of this. So now we're paying for it in our taxes and paying the companies through through increased prices to do the same thing again. It is just a big money grab and none of it makes sense. And I would say a power grab as well. Because with money comes power. Doctor, um, take an extended amount of time to talk about your book and your website because 3,000 hours, we couldn't even touch uh, what you know that people would probably like to to pay attention to, especially since it's free. Yeah, well, the book's called The Plastics Paradox. It's free. Uh, You don't have to give your name or anything. You just click the download now button in five different languages. 
And there is a site, and people don't read books anymore, right? So there is a web page, phantomplastics.com. You click on the environment tab, um, the tab itself, and you'll get a one-page summary with a video of all the topics. So it'll tell you that plastics are not harming turtles or whales or birds. I mean, 100 million birds are killed every year in America by cats, right? So if you're worried about birds, and zero, there's not a single mention of the word plastic or bag in any study I could find. Um, So if you're worried about birds, put a bell on your cat, right? It's, it's very easy to solve the problems we have today if you take the time to first un- yeah. identify what the facts are, because then the problems become obvious. The, exactly. the answers become obvious. Could you say that website slowly? Because you talk fast and you, you, you're delightful. You talk delightfully. But let's make sure, sure yeah. people it's can phantom, hear that. P-H-A-N-T-O-M, plastics, one word, dot com. And one more time, because I, I stepped on you. I stepped on you. One more time. And you'll see it's all shared for free. Every single comment I make is literally copied and pasted from the study. And then you can click on the link and go and verify what I just said was true by downloading the study. So every single statement, none of it's my work. It's not my opinions. It's literally just showing you the peer-reviewed science. It's a great example, too, of... uh people who take it upon themselves to focus on an issue that they have interest and passion and care about and put it out there to the public since there is so much, I hate even to call it mis or disinformation, but certain information is not getting out to the public and other information is being deemed poison and how dare you know. Um, In our last couple of minutes, uh, Irvine, California council member, Kathleen Trezador has put forward a proposal to limit the use of certain plastic items. Uh, what say you about that? And it's not surprising it's out of California. Yeah, she's proposed banning, and she says things like, you know, microplastics are a danger. There's no evidence for that. She says that uh, her reasoning is that plastics don't degrade, and that's actual, that's fiction. The, the global market for really? stabilizers for plastics is $5 billion a year, and a plastic bag left outdoors, degrades in less than one year. That's peer-reviewed science. So she's basically taken a bunch of internet myths and proposed bans based on something which, for which there's no evidence. Ah, how about that? So are you yeah. doing anything uh, substantive to counter this, or are you working with anybody who might be? Yeah, unfortunately, it's just me working alone on my couch. So um, I really appreciate the time on the radio to... Um, to get the facts in front of people who do care about. The reason I started this was my own two daughters were taught lies at school. They were taught that plastics don't degrade, and that's just an outright lie. How about that? Um, And yet, So that's why I got angry enough to write the book and read all Good for you. And people think, you know, because it sounds reasonable, plastics seem so uh, undegradable. We got to leave it there. I have your website up. It's plasticsparadox.com. You can go there and learn so much more. Thank you, Dr. Chris DeArmit, for joining us. Best of Thank luck you, to you. Thank you, Karen. All right. Thanks so much. Thank Bye. you. Take care. Well, um, and that that is one of the lessons, is that if everybody is doing something, and we get a lot of those guests here who take it upon themselves to delve, do the heavy lifting on a particular issue, and it looks like that's what Dr. DeArmit has done. We're going to have our Epic Times reporter on as a guest, as we always do every week at about this time, so stay tuned for that. You're listening to Spouting Off. I'm Karen Catalina. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Catalina. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. They're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epoch Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. The Epoch Times is independent, We're not controlled by any special interest, and we never will be. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today to our digital edition at theepochtimes.com and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. Read the difference in all your devices, 
we'd love to have you on board. Are you tired of the same old snacks? Looking for something a little healthier than that bag of chips or candy bar? Even your average bag of trail mix these days is little more than peanuts, raisins, and candy-coated chocolate. Not very healthy, is it? Allow me to introduce you to White Mountain Munchies. Made from 100% all-natural ingredients, White Mountain Munchies combines unique flavors with nutritional value that will tingle your taste buds and strengthen and sustain your overall health and wellness. Eating good never tasted so good. From Maggie's Maple Madness to Hannah's Heavenly Harvest, Grayson's Getaway Goodies, and our limited edition Christmas blend, Jacoby's Jolly Jumble, White Mountain Munchies offers nutritious and delicious snacks that the whole family is sure to love. Pick yours up now through our easy-to-use online store at whitemountainmunchies.com. White Mountain Munchies, non-GMO when you're on the go. Hi, it's Karen Cataline. It's been almost a decade since I wrote Fatlash Food Police in the Fear of Thin. It's about my early experiences in child beauty pageants and being put on extreme diets. Remember when that was shocking? Sadly, that seems like child's play compared to what we are watching today when politicians and woke corporations are actually advocating for the sexualization of children. Everyone's children. We're watching a frontal attack on childhood innocence. This is one story, my story. Fat Lash illustrates and explains why good boundaries are essential for kids to grow up healthy. They need their parents to set them, not the government. Get Fat Lash today. It's available in paperback or ebook at Amazon or at my website, KarenCataline.com. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Oh, welcome back to Spouting Off. I'm Karen Cataline. Kids are back in school. They change everything today. Now we have four-day work weeks. The school starts in August. You can never tell, but... When I was growing up, school started in September after Labor Day, and that's kind of what we got in some places in the country. So back to school, the fall, all of those good things. On the line is one of our very favorite reporters who I think has got a feel-good story. I haven't heard all the details of it, but we love having her. She should probably be a co-host because she's on so often, and I never mind having her on. Her name is Nanette Holt. In fact, I love it. I welcome it. Nanette oversees a team at the Epic Times Reporters focusing mainly on family issues in Florida politics. The team works to illuminate topics such as the fight to restore parents' rights in schools, the push to teach young children about gender ideology or being against it, and the critical race theory Marxist teachings on college campuses. Uh, great to have you as always, Nanette Holt from the Epic Times. Hey there, so nice to speak with you. It's a sunny day in Florida, but it hasn't always been sunny recently, as you know. The whole no, world watches as it, we get battered by hurricanes now and again. And that it is, is a, my it's hurricane about. season. That is correct. Um, yes, I stepped on you. What did you say? Just oh now? no! Well, I you know my my happy story it relates oh. to the hurricane actually, and um, yeah, we we've talked some a little bit in the past about Cinnabon our little uh, therapy yes. horse that our, our family takes to nursing homes and hospitals as a, not part of the job, but just a volunteer thing that we do. And uh, we had the hurricane coming straight at us, looked like going to be a direct hit. And while we do have oh. a barn where the horses can be in out of the weather, it got complicated when we were trying to figure out where to put all of our livestock. So I loaded up Cinnabon and some of her compatriots and we went to a very luxurious equestrian facility further south in the state to kind of escape the danger of this storm. And uh, it was just a magnificent uh, opportunity to see people just being good neighbors at their own expense, uh, being kind and helpful. 
without uh, any, you know, inkling of wanting to get anything in, in payment back, uh, we took her to what's known as the World Equestrian Center in Ocala. Uh, it's operated by the Roberts family. It, When I say luxurious, I mean like 3,000 stalls that have air conditioning. It's Whoa. not what horses in Florida are used to. And they welcomed people from all over the state in harm's way um, by this storm. They welcomed them in. They filled every stall. There were horses, donkeys, pigs, uh-huh. goats, peacocks, uh, sheep, you know, whatever people were worried about uh, saving from the storm. They welcomed in, and they would not accept a single penny in return. <laughs> it was a beautiful wow. thing. Oh, that's a beautiful story. And that's when you get the most donations is when people know that your heart and your motives are in the right place and they start opening their pocketbook uh, to support such kinds of operations. So what about, uh, yeah. It blew me away. It it just blew me away because, um, you know, the venue was trashed when when people left and were going Mm. back home after this storm. You know, that, I mean, so you know, people had livestock there. It was trash, and yet these people would not. They refused to accept a penny. This is a for-profit mm. business. They usually have uh, international-level mm. equine competitions there. They have a very fancy hotel there. Uh, it was just really a cool thing, and I thought, what a beautiful thing to come out of a, a bad situation. A hurricane uh, leaves so much devastation, but it also, I think, that really illustrated to me it's an opportunity to see people at their best. So mm. I wanted to share that with you. I'm so glad you did. And what are you seeing right now with the cleanup? Is it devastating? What about you personally? How are people doing after the hurricane? This one, anyway. Uh, you know, people are are doing well in my area. We, you know, had trees down. There's the trash all over the place and blown around. Uh, I have not had the opportunity to to go to the areas that have had, you know, more intense devastation. And it is, you know, flooding is, is an intense a terrible way to lose your home. Um, you know, everything's mm-hmm. ruined and, uh, it, you know, you're displaced and um, it's it's really tough. And I have experience with that personally uh, growing up in Florida and having, you know, three feet of water in my house. It, it was devastating and your home is never the mm-hmm. same. But, uh, you know, for the most part, our state has recovered. Um, I saw a, a lot of uh, uh, pre-planning before this storm that I've never seen out of state government. Uh, I think... Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who of course is running for the Republican nomination to to run for president, he um, he showed extraordinary leadership. He paused his campaign. Uh, he canceled a bunch of campaign events that had been planned. I know people were disappointed that he didn't show up to those, but he was in Florida taking care of what needed to be done here. And just the fact that, uh, for instance, before the storm, they had about thirty thousand um, linemen in place to be ready to deploy and get power back on. Um, Mm. And when I was in a hotel uh, escaping the storm, there were linemen there, and they were streaming out of that hotel into the storm as the storm was still raging. They were streaming out into the storm to get out there and be ready to put those power lines back up. And it was Mm. was really a cool thing. I've never, you know, I'm a sixth-generation Floridian. I've never really seen that level of pre-planning before. That's great. That's great. Um, what did you think about the coverage of uh, Hurricane Hurricane Idalia? I have a friend who happens to live in Ocala, and she said, uh, she concluded, and granted, it didn't really hit Ocala very much, she concluded that the coverage was just hysterical, and she thought it was over the top. What do you think? Well, you know, I, being that I was in Ocala as well, you know, we didn't see a lot. And I was trying to cover, uh, to coordinate coverage um, from, you know, from Ocala as to what was going on, you know, with our staff around around the country. Um, I didn't see a lot of other coverage. Uh, I know that it was hard to cover because, Florida was issuing all these updates and we knew what was going on in Florida in the, you know, the areas that were hard hit, but we really as a news organization struggled to get updates in Georgia, in South Carolina, in North Carolina. I mean, it was uh-huh. very difficult. Like those states never, it, like it had not occurred to them 
that, gee, it might be a good time to get information to people. Um, mm. So I think, you know, when that happens and, and the authorities who can actually respond uh, and tell you what's going on and what's planned, um, when they're not prepared to give that information, it's really hard for the news organizations, you know, to get that out as well. Uh, of course, we don't want to deploy people right into a hurricane. Um, but our reporters that were on the ground uh, made it as close as they could to the areas that had very, you know, troubling flooding. And uh, they, you know, they were talking to people who had several feet of water in their homes and and mm. businesses that were flooded. And uh, I thought it, I thought their reporting was pretty right on. But yeah, it was uh, surprising to me that we struggled so much for official reports. We were watching uh, weather channels, like national weather channels, that just had wall to wall coverage of the hurricane. And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that um, the political uh, set, which of course everything is politicized today, tying your shoes is political today, uh, <laughs> were true. there ready to blame climate change for the hurricane. And so they had to make it as hysterical as possible. And I must say, the coverage was over the top. Uh, was it? Well, yeah. I didn't see the over-the-top coverage, uh, although I do know that I got a little, a little busy. <laughs> well, I got a little nervous when um, Jim from the Weather Channel showed up at the airport in my city. Uh, I thought, <laughs> oh, that's never good news. He's the one who tells you when you can eat your hurricane snacks and when you have to uh, ration. So um, he, he's pretty well expected. Uh, Jim Cantori, uh, Cantor. I can't remember exactly how he pronounces his name, but uh, but yeah, he came right into the to the uh, airport in my city, and we thought, oh, that's never good. But uh, yeah, it was. You know, I, I don't know if you know that Governor DeSantis came out and basically said, you know, this clim climate change change stuff about the hurricane—that's nonsense. Don't listen to that. I mean, he's he's taking a pretty firm stand against that, and now he's God. you know reiterating his stance <laughs> on COVID nineteen that we in our state will not overreact to that. I, that's where I've been noticing overreaction is, is to COVID-19. Uh, overreaction or planned hysteria. Uh, wow. People are already breaking out the, uh, you know, choosing up sides. And we've lived this before. Are you working on any stories about that right now? Well, uh, I'm not working on a COVID-19 story other than the fact that there is supposed to be compensation issued to people who were vaccine injured, and those folks are having a real hard time getting that money. Uh, they need it. They're running. You know, they can't work. And so we do have a story coming. We're a little early on that. Um, but another reporter did a very interesting study uh, on just what you've mentioned and and how it's all coordinated. And he was reporting, and I would highly recommend the report. It's actually a video report. Uh, uh -huh. The reporter's name is Roman Balmakov. He has a show called Facts Matter. And he'll really take you through um, how they have now perfected something they think they're ready to start trying on humans. It's working in mice where they can vaccinate using mRNA technology, which is, you know, of course, t part of what they do with the COVID-19 vaccine. They can vaccinate you through the air. So this is something that a lot of people who resisted the COVID-19 uh -huh. vaccine it's something they've feared because they think, I don't want it. I, I don't want to be pressured to get it. I don't want to lose my job for not getting it, um, but I don't want it. Now, um, Roman has a report that shows that they are getting ready to be able to deploy that kind of vaccination through an aerosol. So, for instance, maybe fly over your city and, and spread it that way. Oh, uh, it's a really exciting. interesting report. Especially in the light of, in the face of, constant new reports people many black athletes falling on sports fields no curiosity whatsoever no slowing down and pushing the vaccine the narrator the narrative never changes did you happen to see just recently megan kelly come out and say that she has an autoimmune disease that she believes and her doctor believes is from the COVID vaccine. So let's go ahead and force this on people, especially if it's deadly. I mean, I don't think we ought to question anybody's motives here, should we? <laughs> no, we wouldn't want to do that. No, um, no, no, no. Yeah, Megan Kelly's story is especially sad in that it sounds like they, they think now that possibly, I believe it's her sister may have also 
passed away from a, they, you know, speculation. Maybe it was a vaccine-related injury. But we are working on a report um, talking about some people who can, without a doubt, document, and their and their doctors have acknowledged this is a vaccine injury, and they are permanently, profoundly disabled. Um, some of them quite young. You know, you don't hear about older folks having these vaccine problems. It's the younger ones, and it really makes oh, you they'll wonder. they'll just die off, you know. I mean, the, the callousness and the change of characterological of values, the, the callousness and the brazenness with which uh, we have seen public officials not care about what's happening to people and, in fact, pushing something. I, I'm reminded, weirdly, of, of a scene I saw of uh, somebody who was trying to kill somebody in a movie. And he keeps his inhaler from the person, kicks it away from them so that they can't use it. I mean, that's sort of a rarity, you know, that they could die from that because I have asthma. But nevertheless, it's that kind of thing, kicking people's inhalers away. You know, (laughs) it's worse than that because you're pushing something on people that clearly is not good for them, is not healthy, that is questionable, suspicious. How does a reporter, I know we're almost out of time and I always love talking to you. How does a reporter cover the backstory of, of that? I mean, I don't know if there's a way to other than to just report the facts, but it's just curious to me that some people don't connect the dots. You know, why are people not caring about the deaths and injury of their fellow citizens? It's as if they're just fodder. Or something. Well, you know, I think that we have to remember that people have a wide uh, range of uh, sources of information, and people often choose uh, their source of information based on their politics. And there are just certain Uh organizations that are not going to be honest about uh, what's going on with vaccine injury. I mean, but as a reporter, the way we are able to nail a lot of this down, we have a team that that does work on this. used to be something I covered more now that, you know, I'm managing another thing. I'm not. But we have been able to uncover some really shocking things just using the federal, um, you know, information uh, request process, yes. the FOIA yes. process. And, right. and it's, it's shocking the things that are put in emails. It's like they forget yeah. that we can request those or they just don't care. But Give us a quick um, example. We only have a minute. I want everybody, by the way, to go to the Epic Times and uh, take a look at Nanette Holt. She does great work. <laughs> go ahead. Give us well, one quickie. I, I appreciate it. I will just say Roman's uh, Facts Matter show on, on the aerosol vaccine has a whole list of links of examples. But, you know, even just documenting that, um, that there's discussion about, hey, this would be a really good idea. And he actually documents... Uh, times that our government has already done this. They've already deployed this kind Stunning. of, uh, Stunning. you know, Well, that's treatment. not against our will or anything, is it, Nanette? No. We're <laughs> you not giving about, We've got to be aware. We have oh, to be aware. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying okay. to help people be aware. Of the Nanette Holt, always a pleasure to have you. Keep up the great work. Glad that uh, Cinnabon is doing well and his friends. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Nice to speak with you. Blessings. All right. My pleasure. Well, that does it for this edition of Spouting Off. Tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday when there will be so much more to spout off about here on Spouting Off.